Yeah. Speaking of going to war, hi everyone, this is Janie. And this is Roxy. And the segue is because we're doing Hunger Games this month. month. Oh, that was- <laughs> That's why I'm talking about. Going to war. Like, war. <laughs> hey, but listen, we didn't say that this is based on a young adult novel podcast. Um, so hello again. <laughs> Before we get into this episode of The Hunger Games Part 1, Chapters 1 through 9, here are some announcements. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Follow us on social media for more content at Based on a Pod. Email us at basedonapod at gmail.com. Like, rate our show, subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Lastly, please consider supporting our podcast on Patreon. Thanks again for listening. As a forewarning... We briefly discussed the other books in the Hunger Games, as well as the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, so just know this is not spoiler-free. Also, if you don't already know the nature of the Hunger Games books, it can be very graphic and violent. There are themes that lead to discussions of war, mental health and depression, as well as self-harm. Please be advised to listen and read cautiously, should any of these topics be triggering. Enjoy the episode! Hello. Hi. You missed it. I was what? just singing along. I was singing Toasty and I was like, oh, I'm going too hard. It's going to start recording. <laughs> you were singing? Yeah. Congratulations. There I go. <laughs> Listen, I have not had that much serotonin as I have had at his concert. I just need to start going to concerts again. Post Malone give me so much serotonin. Probably because I want to marry him, but unfortunately, he's, like, wifed up with a baby. <laughs> Not that that stopped Ned Fulmer. Uh, do you know who the Try Guys are? Yeah. I lost focus and had a consensual workplace relationship. That's the quote. That's the meme, because Ned decided to cheat on his wife. Oh, sadness. That was, like, his whole personality was the married one. <laughs> Yes, and that's why he's getting torn to shreds by the internet. Ned Fulmer and Alex are like Katniss and Gail. Do you like that saying? (laughs) Actually, no, I guess in the Hunger Games, it's more like Peta and Gail. No, not Peta and Gail. Wow. (laughs) This is turning into a bad fiction. Did I just just (laughs) create a new ship? (laughs) <laughs> oh, that would be a bad romance. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna say you about to start singing. Okay, Lady Gaga. <laughs> Not even close. Lady Gaga, if she were a turkey standing outside in the rain with her mouth open. <laughs> Did I warn you? I warned you I've had no sleep. Yes. No, this is hilarious. <laughs> That's why we were talking and I was like, wait, let me send you the link if you see anything funny and I don't catch it <laughs> on recording. I bet our listeners don't find me nearly as funny as you do. So No. You don't even know. <laughs> Hi guys. If if my any of my bosses hear this, you didn't. <laughs> so we've reached 46 okay. listeners. Oh my gosh. I know we're so close to 50. That's the goal. We thought when we started this, it would be like three friends. 
<laughs> Not for music friends. <laughs> the listeners. So uh, I think I did tell you that we have listeners in Germany and in the UK, surprisingly. So I just wanted to say hi. You think about it, it's been a month, right? Like we literally, we just did September. It seemed like such a long time. We've <laughs> It's only been a month. <laughs> That's because we went to war with Twilight. Um, I found the perfect mashup. Okay, so on the Hunger Games, like Instagram, they uh-huh. posted the most hilarious. It says Hunger Games, but it's like the Twilight, <laughs> the Twilight actors. You are out of control. Twilight is dead. Stop trying to make Twilight happen. I'm gonna post it though. I'm gonna send it to you right now. Why? So I can live react? (laughs) Yes. Annoying because I can stop eating the Cheetos. I don't know. I can't even hear it. Or is that ASMR? (laughs) Can you hear the fans though? No, I can hear my crunching. Okay, good. Well, I mean, these are the Feynman Hot Cheetos with with (laughs) Lamone. Um, they don't taste I like think. it they just taste like flaming hot cheetos but i guess it's all citric acid anyway oh i hate that <laughs> <laughs> the caption it's hilarious <laughs> not a lot going on at the moment yeah, the hunger games breaking dawn part one okay well <laughs> but if you okay out of everyone um would Edward be PETA or Gail? See, the cliche answer would be to say that he would be PETA, but I think his personality no. is more in line with Gail. He's definitely Gail and yeah. Jacob's PETA, which is why he's just the friend that she doesn't want. She you literally know? marries PETA and has kids with him. What are you talking about? Oh, well, because the whole beginning, she's like, she'd rather be with Gail. She doesn't want to be with PETA. Oh, uh, yeah. In this book that we're reading, she doesn't like PETA like that. <laughs> But later, give us five. Oh, I'm choking. Uh, give us five stars on Spotify if you want us to revisit the series that we're doing. Yeah, please, because I love it so much. Um, I just like if you up... want us to do sequels. Yeah, I'm just finishing up so Catching done. Fire, and I'm so excited to oh. get into Mockingjay. Dude, Ballad is so good. I I read the synopsis though, honestly, so I know what happens. But like, ooh, it sounds dramatic. It's a very, very, very intense, uh, I mean, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read it. Mm-hmm. Just kidding, I'm not actually going to dive into it, because we're talking about Hunger Games, not Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes today. You can give me, like, one snippet, because... <laughs> well, just that I just really enjoy that it's visiting the past of President no. Snow, because yeah. he's, he's such an interesting character. Also, I really, I was thinking about it when I was listening to the book today. Um, also, shout out to the fact that Libby lets you do 1.75 speed. <laughs> oh, yes. Because I was listening to him talk like this and he was going this fast and then I got through <laughs> most of the book in one day. You're um, like, I need to finish two parts in this one flight, so I speed did it, it. Up. <laughs> um, I did 1.5 for the most part, but that's because that's what I normally do. Um, because my brain operates on different wavelengths, but I was thinking, see, there was a point, and I'm getting to it. <laughs> um, uh, that I really want books just revisiting, like, I want Phoenix 
games. I want uh, Hamish's games. I want yeah, um, that'd be cool. Yeah, like Annie's. Like I want books mm-hmm. about all of those. And like someone tells Suzanne Collins she needs to pick up her pace and do all these books for yeah. me. Just well, because she has other books. I have never read it, but apparently she does really? like a whole other series that's really popular. It's also mm-hmm. a war story series. Yeah. Um. Anyway, you don't. You have notes, right? Yes, I have so much notes. Um, part one is gonna be intense. I feel like I thought it was six o'clock. We are fine to record. I I thought it was six o'clock. It's only five twenty. Is it five twenty? Yay! I know you're so much closer to me. So close, but so far. Oh, what is? It's only an ocean apart now. You literally like I could jump on a plane. It would take like four hours, five hours maybe five hours yeah turbulence one way oh what <laughs> yeah did you know that so from hawaii to the west coast it's five hours one way six hours the other way because i guess the the wind i don't oh. know makes it slower in one direction uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> are you laughing at one direction yeah <laughs> listen Anywho. Don't get me started. I would walk out started and I, I ran myself in for once. That's new. Anyway, yes, let's uh, tackle your 10 pages of bullet points. I have notes before we even get into the, the book. And then after that, the notes are pretty short, but like chapter one um, is six pages long, my notes. So, girl. What uh, do you mean, notes before we get into the book? How do you preemptively have, I have notes? Let me just start so you know what I mean. So I kind of like did some research <laughs> about the books. Um, oh boy. Background uh, information. So again, the same time, same time as like Twilight. Uh, we were about the same age, our senior year when it was coming out. She released them um, one year after another. So 2008, 2010. Um, and basically after we graduated, that's when all the movies came out. So the first movie came out in 2012. Um, the author is Suzanne Collins. So she actually, I mean, we'll get into this when we review the movie, but she helped uh, adapt the novel herself into the, um, mm-hmm. the screenplay with the director. At that time, just like some reviews I read about it. So a lot of people were comparing it to like The Running Man. And um, have you, did you watch Battle Royale? No. The Japanese one. I know I watched that. I think I watched that with um, your best friend in high school. <laughs> and it was like really uh, gory for me. I normally don't like that gory, but I watched it. <laughs> good for you. I'm proud of you. Yeah, it was basically Hunger Games, except like really, really gory. The Hunger Games isn't gory? No, I think they played down quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Compared to what's in a book? Holy crap. Yeah. Even in the book, like, maybe reading it is, like, not as disgusting as seeing it in real life. Um, I guess, I think it depends on your imagination. Like, okay. Sidebar. When you read a book, are you able to vividly see what's going on? Or just do you just read the words? I'm usually imagining it. Right. So, like, there's one part that I was listening to where I was like, that sounds absolutely horrifying. Was it, like, all the pus? Yeah. <laughs> that part? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that sounds gross, but maybe it's because I like popping pimples. 
roast. That's not oh, as roast to me. I'm a pimple popper. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah, continue Battle Royale. Well, a lot of the reviews at the time would like compare Twilight to Hunger Games, even though no, they're why? not like at all. Yeah. Not at all. Like, why? Because there's a love triangle that's not even actually yeah. a love triangle? They just happen to come out at like the same time. There's this like one review where the lady was slamming Hunger Games for being like less exciting and less erotic as Twilight. I don't know what you were watching or reading, but Twilight was not erotic to me. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. Uh, okay, so some background on the author. So it turns out that she um, she grew up liking Greek mythology. And her dad was a historian and a uh-huh. political scientist. Um, I guess he was like career Air Force. And then... Um, what? Vietnam veteran. So that kind of like influenced, you know, her interests and a lot of her knowledge about war and politics. And she kind of, in an interview, she says that he would like really, I guess he taught them a lot of history. Uh-huh. So she just naturally was interested in that kind of stuff. I can actually see where the Greek would lead into poli-sci, actually. Mm-hmm. And she does use a lot of um, like Greek names, if you notice later, the characters... Like Cato? Yes. The District 2 especially. They have You mean gl- Glimmer is not Greek? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You continue your notes and I'll look up the district so we can talk about that after. I do have notes on that as well. But of course that's you in, do. That's in chapter three. Okay. Well, Capricorn. Let me just barrel through my notes here. Okay, so I did put Barrel through. I'm gonna stop talking. You just <laughs> It's so much notes. This why there's so much notes compared to Twilight. Okay, so um, so she actually says that Peter and Gail she uses that um, not just as a love interest, but they're supposed to be like parallel to um, perspectives you might have on war. Do you kind of see that? I just told you I was gonna stop talking. You can't. <laughs> no, retort- no, no. You can't lead into questions after I said I'll stop talking, so you can Aww. get through your notes. That's because if you ask me questions and we add another extra five minutes between your notes. <laughs> okay. You're right. Okay. I'll just finish this and then I'll ask you. So um, okay. it's just that like tail, Gail, not tail, Gail's tending towards like violent solutions, um, which is of course because of his experiences. And then Peter is more inclined to like diplomatic solutions and he's naturally a lot softer. Um, and so... Yeah, well, so the author, what says that Katniss, she wanted to show Katniss, like, figuring out her worldview while she's also deciding between, like, the love interests Uh simultaneously. And then eventually Uh we see Katniss chooses PETA, so she's choosing, like, nonviolent resolutions, even though Uh in the meantime, she's, like, forced to use violence before the end. That was weak. That was weak. <laughs> Remember when we, me and my ex would get into burping contests at school? No, I do not. Ew. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Ugh. We went to burp the al- alphabet. Wow. That's what I was doing when the Hunger Games was out. <laughs> That's why Katniss has a better love life than me. 
<laughs> okay, anyways. So, <laughs> okay, so the author, um, so she says that she wrote this as a war story first, and then um, naturally it became like a dystopia book. So she kind of talks about her writing process, uh-huh. um, oh, which I would like to know your writing process. <laughs> That's easy. Don't. <laughs> What? Don't? Did you say don't? Don't. Don't. I did bring a writing prompt book, and I brought my my second book. Oh, that's good. So you can write, like, while you're traveling? Uh Uh-huh. Got those creative juices flowing on a six-hour car drive. Oh, I drank all the coffee. I got, um, cookie-flavored creamer. Oh, that's amazing. Anyways. Mm. I want coffee. (sighs) Okay, anyways. Yes, please. You just had what? I was just going to talk about my robot coffee from (laughs) the future. I really do want to hear about that some more. Wait, so where were you when that happened? That was San Francisco at the airport. It looked like dummy from Iron Man. Oh my gosh, that's such a So I was like, yes, I'll spend $5.75 on a coffee. I'd pay more at Starbucks anyway. But now a robot's making it. It was the best coffee ever. That's but not even a hard it choice. Matter. Yeah, and I would then, totally. <laughs> right. And then the robot refunded me. And I was like, I don't know why that happened, but I got a free coffee and a robot made it. So I'm not mad. <laughs> the robot was buying your drink for you, right? You said? <laughs> I said Tony Stark was buying my drink. That's different. <laughs> That's better. That is totally different. It is. Because he's dead. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, so back to Suzanne Collins' writing process. <laughs> I just found it interesting. Like, I might look up more authors' writing processes because I don't write the way she said she writes at all. So she says that Please she... Yeah, let's see. Like, she really enjoys structure. So, two things. She uses, like, a lot of post-its. <laughs> and she creates, uh-huh. like, a chapter grid. She literally creates a chapter grid and just puts post-its all over. Um, and then she says that she developed her habits um, through writing scripts first. Because I guess she studied theater and became a playwright originally. And then from there, somehow she got into, like, writing for children's television for 17 years so the way she writes is very much influenced which explains the three parts the three parts mm-hmm. of the book she broke it up like acts of the of the movie I mean so, the play let you know. me just also inform you because I don't know if you know and I don't know if some writers out there know that there are you can buy um, templates or journals and stuff that actually um uh, it formats it so that it's broken up nicely and you don't have to do the work of organizing it. It's already set up <laughs> into parts and chapters and everything. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot easier. Cool. Than... I just type my work into Microsoft Word and then fix it later, which is a lot harder than it needs to be. I am like a timeline per- outline outline person. I very much like, so normally I'm writing You're the... a plotter. I am. I have the general idea. Then I'll like write out the characters without the names. And then I like make an outline. And then I go like each chapter and write like a little bit of what happens in each chapter. 
and I like to handwrite. I don't know. I don't type until my first draft is done. But it takes a really um, long time and a lot of notebooks. <laughs> fucking Capricorn. Oh I'm what they call a panther in NaNoWriMo words. You're what? A panther? Yeah. You write by the seat of your pants instead of plotting. Ooh. So literally you sit down with no intentions. Yeah. And just write. Right leads you. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting though. Uh, yeah, tell that to my book that's been in process for 10 years. <laughs> that's Not even an exaggeration. I started it over. Oh, that's okay. You should make those, like, you know how there's the book and there's multiple <coughs> endings and then the reader can decide uh-huh. <laughs> which ending oh. they want to go with? Like, when didn't Goosebumps do that with something? I think so. I still like reading those kind of books, like, where you reach the end and it's like, what do you decide to do? Go to page 53 if this is the decision you make. And you're like, okay. And I just uh, make a comment that I was choking on my water and I thought I could hear myself choking on my water, but it was your kid coughing. Oh. <laughs> yeah. She's comfy in my arms, but I am sweating buckets right now. <laughs> it was 90 degrees when I got here. I was like, oh, I went from 50 to this. Please be healthy. Yeah, take care of yourself. Don't get sick. Oh, no. I didn't even think about that. You know I'm probably going to. I wore a mask on the plane, though. So I'm telling you now. Take care of yourself. Have some tea tonight. Do they make that here? I don't know, but you could make some pine tea like Katniss. (laughs) I hate you so much for that. For our guest speaker. Yes. No, don't talk about them. I'll cry. Oh, okay. Never mind. I've been doing so good. <laughs> okay. Quickly moving on to part one, the <laughs> tributes. Okay. You should have seen the sadness in her eyes. <laughs> oh, no, stop. Let's imagine happy, happy faces in the District 12. That's <laughs> not how <laughs> Okay, well, swiftly moving on. We start off with I our really... protagonist. We see her sister, Primrose, cuddling with her mother. And I put side note, my children always end up squeezed up next to me in the morning, just like that. She describes Prim's rescue cat Buttercup, and then Prim left her goat oh, cheese on the table. Wait, what? You have the most random notes that come to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> she left her goat cheese on the table. <laughs> like, I'm glad yes. you took note of that, because I don't remember that, because... Also, that goat cheese is not going to do good on the table. But yeah, basically, it's like just showing them like the things they're doing on reaping day. This is the first time we hear the word reaping, but it sounds very ominous. Um, she gets dressed and heads out. And then she says she lives in District 12. Her area is nicknamed the Seam, which is basically where coal miners live. So it's like really dirty, obviously covered in coal. Um, and it's a poor area within the country of Panem, um, which is basically future America. Right? Yeah, basically. At the very edge of the scene, there's a field called the meadow and then a huge high chain link fence with barbed wire loops just to like give us a visual of what kind of area they live in. But the barbed electrified fence is not even on because they hardly get electricity. She says they get like two or three hours of 
electricity a day. So she's able to sneak out through the fence into the woods. And in the woods, she feels at home. She grabs a bow and a sheath of arrows hidden in a log. And it's a lot of like explaining that she was taught to shoot and hunt with her father. And he died when she was 11 in a mine explosion. And I just wanted to point out that like it's very graphics. Like the way she describes him being blown to bits is a little... See, and you said there was no gore. Well, like, blown to when you say blown to bits, I'm like, okay, but if you show me someone getting blown to bits, I'm like, you know, (laughs) no thanks. Anyways, but yeah, pretty graphic, right? And it's like her own father she's talking about. I I don't know. I I mean, obviously, the movie wasn't gory. Yeah. The books, I feel like, were pretty intense. It's like definitely borderline of CG 13. I think that's what it is. When it's, like, not too bad, kids can watch it, I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, I'm about to Well, (sighs) what size kids? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Young adults. Young adult novel. (laughs) I'm so done. All right. um, So she's, (laughs) she's 16 now. Uh-huh. Uh, she says that going into the woods to hunt is illegal, but she needs to for survival. And her father made her a bow. Um, only a few of the people in the district hunt, but the peacekeepers allow it because they buy the meat. Um, the protagonist describes herself as learning to be tight-lipped and quiet and polite in public um, and keeping her face in indifferent mask. <laughs> That's her whole thing. Um... <laughs> And they're always being watched. So the capital of Panem is where like all the top government leaders reside. But mm-hmm. even in the districts, they're constantly watched by their government. Um, and then we finally get her name. Her name is Katniss, which is a type of root that I've never heard of. Um, I think I, I know what it is. Okay. But I'm guessing it's related to like potatoes somehow. <laughs> how they describe it <laughs> so she's Katniss is a potato and then she's only herself in the woods with her friend Gail her friend quote unquote friend um, and so he brings fresh bakery bread and they are treating themselves because it's reaping day and my notes say treat yourself <laughs> uh, back to them so the they're supposedly, they look alike. They both have straight black hair, olive skin, gray eyes. And she says that most of the mine families kind of resemble each other anyways, with the exception of her mom and Prim, who have light hair and blue eyes, because her mom was actually born in the merchant class. Um, and her family ra- ran an apothecary shop in the nicer area of their district. Um, so there's no doctor since no one can afford it. So the apothecaries are kind of like the healers. She says that Kat, um, so Katniss's father used to sell herbs. Can you hear my daughter? <laughs> I, <am very laughs> <myself. laughs> oh. I heard her earlier. That's why I started giggling when you were talking about random stuff. Thanks. I'm pretty sure you were talking Thanks, about Katniss's dad, and I was just giggling. <laughs> Please don't interrupt me, baby. baby. <laughs> she's sleeping. She's, she's sleeping. Like, is she sleeping now? Oh, good. Yeah, she's talking in her sleep. Oh, All right. 
it is so funny sometimes. Oh man, sorry to side note, but sometimes she laughs in her sleep. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what are you laughing at? I'm like, <laughs> That's terrifying. Um, what was I saying? Oh, her father sells the herbs to her mother, which is how they met, and eventually they marry. And oh, the I thought you were saying after they got married, I was like, well, hey, now that's not right. <laughs> like, what kind of marriage is this? Yeah, um, for sure. And then I just put a note that it's really obvious that her parents had a deep love just based off of the mother's reaction to his death um, when she falls into, like, this huge depression. I was going to just mention the fact that, like, later on... um. Katniss like she Katniss keeps referring to it as like the illness or like just like little different ways because obviously in I guess future America they don't have a word for depression yeah but it's like their interpretation of what a depression is and I just thought it's it's a really cool way of talking about it without like talking about it yes also interesting because so if you go to areas that maybe are how to say like maybe they don't have access to healthcare as readily uh-huh. as we would maybe depression is not something like any kind of mental health care might uh-huh. not even be possible uh-huh. I'm sure it'd be like that you know where they're like drink drink some tea or I don't know take some medicine and like they like in this case in Penn, like they don't even have a diagnosis for it they don't have a word for it yeah and everyone is struggling like everybody uh-huh. in the entire country has issues what happens when you have a post-apocalyptic world yes well gail and katniss enjoy their meal and the wood and the view and they gail actually tells her like they could run off and live in the woods together and that they'd survive but because of all the kids they take care of his two brothers and her sister prim and their moms too and in this scene it seems like gail really wants to settle down and start a family with katniss if it weren't for the reaping but she's like completely oblivious yeah she doesn't like see him romantically at this point in time but she says she never wants kids because um Right? I wouldn't have kids either. If there was something like the reaping, goddamn, I would I would never have had kids. Because that is insane. Like, knowing your children might have to go and, like, kill each other. That's crazy. But anyway, they catch some fish and gather greens and strawberries. And then they go to the hub, which is the black market in an abandoned warehouse. Why are you saying it like the movie trailer guy? <laughs> <laughs> Just to make it a little bit more exciting. But they train. I literally have to sleep right now. (laughs) They train fish for bread and salt. (laughs) Listen, you have missed your calling. You need to be be a voice actor. I always wanted to. But I don't know. How do you even get into that? Go to the mayor and sell half their strawberries. And this is where we see his daughter Madge. Katniss's classmate. I liked her, her character, but I guess she was not in the movie. Yeah, I guess. I guess the, that makes sense. Is she the one who has the thing for Gail? Well, in the book, she seems like, um, like offended by him here. But later, when Katniss uh-huh. goes back, she starts getting jealous. Like it seems like Madge and Gail have been hanging out, or I don't know, training <laughs> while she was away uh-huh. at the games. 
yeah i don't know what that is um okay this is why my notes are so long so this is the section where they kind of explain what the hunger games is she explains that each child in the entire country between 12 and 18 put has to put their name into a pool each Mm -hmm. year their name is added again and it's cumulative so it's seven times by the time they're 18 but mm-hmm. a child can opt to add their name more times in exchange for a tesserae, which is basically like rations of grain and oil. Um, and I looked at the word tesserae because I don't know what why she chose that as the uh-huh. name. But it's actually like the name of a tile. But yeah, it's a tesserae. Uh, they should really <laughs> look into what they're getting fed. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right? You're really feeding <laughs> <a> tile. <laughs> like, actually, since this is the post-apocalypse, this is someone's previous bathroom floor. Yeah, not surprised at all. I wouldn't be. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, basically it's like one entry <clears throat> equals um, one year supply of the Tesserae per person. So Katniss has uh, she had entered four times. Once by default and three more for her, Prim, and her mom. And then Gail, now at the age of 18, he's entered 42. It's a lot. The odds are not in his favor. Yeah, um, I was literally about to say that. You beat me to it. Basically, it like targets the poor, right? This host system. Uh, and Gail says that it's a tool to cause misery and hatred between the classes, which is actually really true. Um, it's the government dividing the districts. I mean, but in District 12, correct me if I'm wrong there's not that many people that are actually like well off right outside of like the mayor and his kid yeah it sounds like like very very poor and then like maybe low middle lower middle class like there's no one rich yeah like rich is for district one (laughs) yes exactly rich is for the capital yeah. yeah, not even District 1. I mean, District 1's pretty well off. They are, yep. In comparison. I put a little note that, like, Katniss does everything within her power to try to keep her sister safe, but no matter what she does, she's still powerless to the capital and the reaping. So they lay out all their food, like the strawberries and the bread for dinner after the reaping, and at 1pm they all head to the square which is mandatory for everyone to attend. Um, if you don't attend, you can get arrested. The kids form lines with the oldest in the front and the youngest to the back, and the families are all around. Uh, there's tons of camera crews. Um, also, they note that the population is about 8,000. And then this is when we see Mayor Undersea, which is Madge's dad, Effie Trinket, the escort from the Capitol, um, and then Hamish Abernathy, who's laden, drunk as fuck. Um, <laughs> and like the way they describe Effie though is like a caricature right like she's so over the top yeah that sounds about right Right. but I do like her anyways she's like a cartoon character yeah. I love her she's I do too um, so this is when they tell the history of Panem they said it's like suggested that there's maybe like natural disasters followed by war which caused the fall of the US and then the forming of Panem and the 13 districts and then there is a time period called the Dark Days where there is an uprising of the districts against the capital, but the capital won and obliterated um, District 13. And then they formed the Treaty of Treason and the annual Hunger Games, which is basically like punishment for the uprising and a 
a reminder, a constant reminder, like a fear Keeping tactic. Keeping the districts in their place. Exactly. Reminding them that the capital is in charge and yep. you can literally do nothing or we'll kill all your kids. Yep, exactly. So it's one boy, one girl from each district called tributes, but really they're just sacrifices. <laughs> and they fight Out. to the death. Yeah, for entertainment. The last one standing wins and that winner and their district receive a whole bunch of prizes like food for year. This is the 74th year and there's only been two winners ever from District 12. One we know is Haymitch. Um, they don't say who the first one is, but now we know it was Lucy, right? Oh. I need to reread that book, yeah. Yeah, like now that I know, that's kind of cool that we hear that there is another winner, but we like, oh, wonder who that is. And like, now we uh-huh. have a book about her. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Suzanne Collins. Um, but Effie says her iconic line, the happy hunger games. May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> oh, that sounds exactly how the audio book did it. Also, um, completely unrelated, but the song, you know, the song that's in the book. Did you listen to the book on audiobook or did you read it? I did listen. Well, I did both, but I listened to it. Fast. So you know what I'm talking about, about the audiobook and the singing, how different it is than the movie? Oh. The song is not supposed to be lighthearted. It, uh, it, it's in part two. So we'll get to that. But Okay. You know, I think I have to re-watch the movie. I can text you the song. Do you use Spotify? Yes, I do. I mean, obviously. Yes. Uh, I'll text you this. I really love Spotify. Just like a little side note, if you look at our podcast on Spotify, it is beautiful. Like, <laughs> right? It makes it look so pretty. Like, everything is kind of like that pink to black ombre thing going on. Oh, gorgeous. <laughs> It's just black. If you look, if you listen to this podcast on um, Apple Podcasts, the background uh-huh. is black. Maybe it's because I have my settings to everything being black. But yeah, I'm like, what? Oh, you're dark mode. <laughs> yes, I am. Anyways, what were we talking about? Uh, oh, the song. Yes, I made the song. Hold on now. Happy Hunger Games. Okay, I can't even. <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> yeah, but this is the end of the chapter one. At least she. That is mahogany. <laughs> oh yes, that's my favorite line of any movie ever. Effie's the realist. Shout out to Elizabeth Banks. And I've never seen her in a role like that. Like up until that point, I just pitch perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah, she does <laughs> really hilarious roles. Though. Oh my gosh. Yes. Anything to say though about chapter one? Uh, to piggyback onto the whole history you just gave us, <laughs> um, I do, do. Do we ever get explained in any of them, like what area of the country? Yes. Can- Should I skip ahead? Okay, I have extensive notes, but I'm gonna just pull it right now. Okay. See, that's what I was really. Girl, you there's- live in District Twelve. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I was like, it sounds very, it sounds very Midwest. I mean, you don't even have to travel anywhere. Can you just walk around uh, your area when you get back home, and we can? It'll be you and, visiting District Twelve. 
I mean, like, I'm in Portland right now, so, like, I'm getting in our, uh, our, uh, Twilight Fields. Yes. Uh, but, like, when I go back home, I'll just walk around District 12. I'm gonna send you the map right now, and then I'll post this online, Uh, too, so you can see it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, so right now, I'm in four. Is that is that Phoenix District? Yes. Seven is Joan Joanna's. Yeah, Joanna Mason. Yes. One. Yeah. So the capital is. Is the that city. Vegas? Here, I'll, I'll I'll give you all the areas. So starting with District One. Okay, the, these yes. are a lot of notes I took. I'm so sorry. I can't help. Yes. It. <laughs> I no, help I it. love this. Is the stuff I love. Yes. So District 1, the location is kind of like Montana. Uh, They have a population of 24,315 people, and they specialize in luxury items such as jewels and gems. Um, They're one of the wealthiest districts, and they're considered the career district, one of them. Um, Next is District 2. They're located in Colorado. Um, Population is pretty big, 231,354 people. They specialize in masonry and weapons. And the mm-hmm. secret, kind of like a second specialty, is um, the peacekeepers actually train in this district. They're also a very wealthy district and one of the career districts as well. Um, next is District 3. They are located in Illinois. Population is 195,329 people. They specialize in technology. And then even though... They're very smart, and you would think they'd be a wealthier district. They're slightly impoverished, and we get the idea that this is because of the government um, forcing that on the people, because they're known to be one of the more rebellious districts. Next is District 4. That's California, basically. Um, Population is 111,453 people. They specialize in fishing, and they're also a career district, but um, still one of the more rebellious districts one of the well and the best character from the series is from the finnick finnick yeah is that one of your favorite characters that is my favorite character (laughs) yeah finnick's my favorite and i was just going to talk about the common denominator that all of my favorite characters have what is that (laughs) it's like a big ego is it a big ego (laughs) no i was gonna say a big r.i.p next to their name Fred Weasley, Tony Stark, blank from. I will say it's kind of sad that his character died. Like, and because doesn't he? He gets married to Addie and has a kid, right? Only for him to die Uh horribly. I don't even know if he gets to meet his kid. Nice confetti. My eldest daughter just threw a bunch of paper in the air like confetti, and now (laughs) she walked away. All right. Okay, where did I leave off? Oh, District 5. So District 5 is Arizona. Mm-hmm. Population is 134,345 people. They specialize in power, specifically electricity, and they're also the last of the wealthy districts. Um, then we get into, like, middle class. So District 6 is Michigan. Um, they have the largest population, 784,453 people. <laughs> like, damn. Um they specialize in transportation. And then even though they're really large, their 
pretty very oppressed by the government um uh-huh. and they have like a huge morphling addiction issue which we see in book two i think right the the morphlings mm-hmm. uh, district seven is washington and part of british columbia um ah. yeah so johanna is from <laughs> my girl <laughs> Is that how you say her name? Jo- Joanna? Joanna. Mason. Joanna. Wait. But yeah, they specialize in lumber. Um, they're, so I'm assuming they're middle class. It doesn't really say. And the population is 26,354 people. District 8 is Kansas, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like sandwiched between District 12 and 11. So maybe like a part of it. Can I, I just... Know, yeah. Go back to the fact that I just processed the fact that uh, District 6 is transportation and Detroit's like car capital of the state. Yeah. I think she did it on purpose. Like, um, I mean, like, yeah, like, yes. uh, BC being lumber is very accurate. And though, even though they're not career careers, they're supposed to be very adept, you know, with weapons, obviously. Yeah. Lumber. They know how to use axes. <laughs> they know how to stand naked in elevators. <laughs> I love her story, though, like, sidebar, about how she, uh, like, pretended to be weak, and then at the very uh-huh. end just, like, killed everyone. Oh, Joanna is viciously crazy, and I have so much respect for her as a character. Like, yeah. she is someone I would want on my side for, like, literally everything. Yes. Uh, so I hope we do books two and three honestly but we'll see <laughs> if people like like and series. subscribe yes please yeah email us just email us hunger games all right <laughs> <laughs> i wish um, we could do polls we can well so Is if you do spotify i do add questions so if you scroll oh. down they can like answer the questions there oh what do yeah. people actually do that? Do no one that? has no one has answered any of the questions. So please, if you see it, go ahead and answer the questions. <laughs> well, they might not have known they were there. Yeah, I did well, it. Yeah, it's so cool. Spotify is awesome. <sighs> Spotify. Stop plugging Spotify. <laughs> I know. Um, sponsor us. Can you like feature Apple. us? Anyway, uh, District Eight. Um, so they're like an herb. They're described as being urban. They specialize in textiles. But they're still one of the districts that's a little bit more rebellious. I think they're the first district that rebels in book two. I'm trying to remember now. Is it, I thought it was eight that does it first. I know that she sees eight on the TV when she like, like sees it in the mayor's he, office. No, 11 was first, right? Because that's when they Rouge, were, that's yeah. district. So during the victory tour, they like shoot the guy while they're there at 11. But I don't know if they actually rebel right after. So maybe eight is where it actually started. Yeah, that's the first place she oh. saw them rebelling on TV. Is that in Catching Fire? Is that it really? It is. It is. I'm literally going to go home and watch all the movies. Forget yes. reading the books. I love it so much. I, I didn't mean, uh, realize. I like I could rewatch those movies a million times over. And yes. I do recall when we talked about our favorite adaptations, the Hunger yes. Games series was my f- besides Shadow and Bone. Shut up yes. about it <laughs> again. Um, but, <laughs> but, like, shut up about it. <laughs> yes. Um, 
I the Hunger Games series I literally felt like I was watching the book on screen I felt like it was the most and you did mention Suzanne was very involved so exactly like the no one's ever gonna get people need to get it out of their heads you're never gonna get a perfect book to movie adaptation and because literally nobody has that much time on their hands yeah that's I mean I watched a horror movie last last night yeah and (laughs) I was like holy crap this is amazing but it's a horror movie based on a book and I checked the reviews and I was like okay general consensus this is amazing oh wait the book fans are crapping all over the reviews yeah like if you did if you watched the movie first uh-huh. maybe it would have been amazing right but you're like letting the book inform your opinion before you they watch. will always be two separate entities and that's what like and that's the point of this podcast 100 percent. yeah but just and catching fire especially like that's my favorite Okay, then I'm going to have to go watch it. Reading it has been not as fast-paced as number one, which mm-hmm. is funny because it's not fast-paced, but mm. but still really interesting. I'm enjoying this series so much. Just like, I just want to rewatch all the movies. I'm going to yeah. do that when I get home. We're going just, to. <laughs> we can do that on our own time if people don't want to listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> but let us know. All right. Yeah. Back to District 9. <laughs> We're almost there, too. So District 9 is Nebraska and the Dakotas. Um, is it corn? Um, they're, they're grain. Is it cattle? Specialized in grain, oh. which makes sense, right? Um, a lot of them mm-hmm. open plains. Their population is 15,346. They are one of the poor districts. Um, and it's noted that all the victors die really early. Oh. So this, right? In the 74th and 75th games, both victors die right at the beginning in the bloodbath. Yeah, because they're turned on green. Yeah, and then in the new, um, the new book, they don't even make it to the games. They both <laughs> die in the bombing beforehand. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, District Nine. What unfortunate luck. <laughs> um, and then District Ten. They're almost as bad as nine. Um, this Texas into like Mexico. When I say it's uh-huh. bad, it's like they die early. Um, they're also lower income. They specialize in livestock. Oh, they're the cattle. Yeah, they're the cattle, which makes sense. Like Texas and Mexico. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, District Eleven. So they're agriculture, which we already know from Rue and Thresh. Uh huh. But their location is kind of like the Alabama to Louisiana area, and it's described <laughs> as being the Deep South. Um, population is 138,546. They're very poor district and they're severely oppressed, which we see um, mm-hmm. in book two. They have like those huge um, walls separating uh-huh. the different areas within the district. It looks like a jail, yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, Suzanne right. Collins was woke. For real. She is such a good writer. And she is saying something with District 11, like, very subtly. She's making some commentary, you know? Yeah, for sure. Anyway, District 12, two more districts. District 12 mm-hmm. is Kentucky, Ohio. <laughs> nah. They specialize in coal mining. And then after they're bombed um, at the end of book two, they become medicine. Um, they are the poorest district in, in the entire Panem. 
and population. Um, we know it was 8,000, but after they get bombed, it's like only a couple hundred, I think. And then very last is District 13. Even though everyone thinks it was obliterated, we find out in um, book three that they're actually living underground. It's located in New York. And they specialize in graphite mining, but secretly nuclear weapons. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's the 13 districts. Is this an official map? Yes. Oh, that's dope. I know. I thought it was like a straight line at first. So when I saw the map, I was like, oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> Is it a straight line where, my friend? Like Just the train. Like... I thought it was like the train went District 12 straight line all the way to the capital mm. across like the top of America. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I didn't think that it covered such vast zones either. What are you eating? A burger. Oh my gosh. I've decided I'm probably not going down to get dinner tonight. Really? Yeah, I'm too. I'm too tired. Living my best life. Yeah. Oh. I had flaming hot Cheetos. Fine. Yes. I had a bulgogi bun Ooh. and salt and pepper and garlic fries. And oh, that sounds so good. In the and they had like, yeah. I was like, uh, I mean, I bought snacks for the trip, so I have like candy and stuff still uh to snack on but I was like I'm gonna get myself a real meal because this is probably the only real meal I'll eat and I was like this is worth 20 bucks yeah well breakfast here is free so oh nice in the hotel yeah so we're gonna get up early before our long drive and I'll post fork not fork Bella's house we're going to Bella's house tomorrow I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. I feel bad for people like um who have to deal with if they live in that house. Oh wait, people live there. It'd be funny if you just see them like through the window, just like wearing their pajamas <laughs> or something. Like just wave. <laughs> Not wave, boys. <gasps> I'm most excited for tomorrow about seeing Benny's cab. Oh, is Wait, that like parked somewhere? Hold on, who's supposed to be Spirit of Halloween Town? Yeah, uh, is there a giant pumpkin? Yes. Oh my gosh, that's so I'm, jealous. Uh, who is supposed? Because they've been having like Peter Facinelli is supposed to be there, uh, end of October, and I'm so mad about it. Like the timing. <laughs> oh, I just want to look at him. Not even pay to meet him, but Girl. look at his face. <laughs> Who's here? October 29th, Ashley Green. Oh, Which tomorrow? October 2nd. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <gasps> Sophie, Dylan, and Luke oh, from Halloween Town are going to be there tomorrow. Wait, so what do they do? They just visit and like have meet and greets or something? Um, yeah, they're doing meet and greets. Sophie, Dylan, and Luke. I had the biggest crush on Luke growing up. Like, shout out to the fact that Marnie ended up with Calabar. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, did you know that? No. Favorite love story ever. They played literal enemies in the first Halloween town, and now they're getting married. They're so beautiful. Uh-huh. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. Okay, Are I'm so sorry. Danger? 
No, you're I, fine. Yeah, I just demolished a burger and now I um, put my <laughs> daughter down and turned all the fans on. And I'm ready to go. Quick intermission. Yes. Just Why quickly break. I keep holding my phone like I have to be holding it. I'm literally wearing Air- AirPods. Oh. Are you holding it like it's a microphone? <laughs> no, I was just laying it on my boobs. You're holding what? it above your head and holding your hand out like Mariah Carey. Listen, I don't know what's going on with Mariah Carey, but I want to know if she's okay. Um, back to the map. Yeah. So, so Primrose Everdeen, <laughs> her name was pulled. <sighs> I know, gosh. <laughs> you know those old sayings where it says, where, what? it's like, oh, you're sneezing. Someone's thinking about you. I used to honestly be like, okay, so if I sneeze 20 times in a row, <laughs> who the fuck is thinking about me? Stop it. Stop it. Obviously, someone who shouldn't have your address. I have a real, like, large nostril, so I think things just, like, float <laughs> on up there. <laughs> anyway, Primrose Everdeen, her name got pulled. <laughs> yeah, so Katniss. No, not Katniss. Prim. Her name is pulled. Chapter two! Woohoo! Wait, that was only the first chapter. Katniss runs up and volunteers as tribute. And no one applauds. But they do that thing where they hold the three middle fingers to. Did they do um, that in the book? I think I missed that. Yeah, so I think they do it more in the movie. Prim didn't walk up to the stage in the movie, I don't think. Oh, that makes sense. She, like, already runs out, yeah. Like, Katniss, like, screamed from the crowd. Yeah. Which is why that gif exists. Whereas, like, this was, like, her cutting through the crowd and running to the stage while Prim Mm -hmm. walks up there. And in the book, they say, like, normally you're supposed to wait. They ask if there's any volunteers. And then the mayor's like, who cares? You know, just let her come up here. Right. Yeah. Because it's unprecedented in District 12, really, to have someone volunteer. Yeah, it never happens. So, like, they do that little thing, holding their finger to their lip, then to Katniss. And it's described as being something they do at funerals, usually, like, as a goodbye yeah, I thought did it say a what was it a thank you or something? Yeah, like as a thank you to someone you love before they yeah. go off. Um, and oh. then Hamish interrupts really drunkenly, <laughs> and it becomes like a meme. Basically, everyone knows about him falling off the stage. <laughs> and then Effie pulls Peter Millard's name as the boy. Yeah, um, nobody volunteered for him. Yeah, of course not. Even though, even though he has two brothers. Yeah, she does say one is like too old, but the other one she already knows like wouldn't. So, Tannis recalls the day after her, it's like a day after her dad died when she's starving and scavenging for food. Um, and her mother was depressed, of course, and wouldn't work. So Katniss was taking care of the home in Prim. Uh-huh. Um, but she wasn't 12 yet, so she couldn't sign up for Tesserae. So she had passed the bakery and PETA basically purposely burned a piece of bread so he could throw it outside to Katniss. And he uh, got Yeah, he gets it. like struck by his mother. But he knew that was going to happen and he still did it on right. to help Katniss. So this was like a moment for her she remembers because um, it like gave her hope 
and she describes seeing Peta later and then like seeing a dandelion and it reminds mm-hmm. her of her father but now it also reminds her of Peta. Anyways. <laughs> but we can kind of it like seems like Peta already likes her and is always mm-hmm. watching her. <laughs> Don't say it like that. Yeah, it's like Edward all over again. Oh, I listen. I can't wait to be given permission to fully psychologically deep delve into Katniss and her romance. <laughs> I have opinions, and I'm keeping them to myself to keep us on track later. Applicable. Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, well, that's the end of chapter two, and I will say that they tell us her birthday already. It's May eighth, so she is a Taurus. Um, <laughs> But when we get to the movie, I'll go over everyone's sides. Any comments, though, about chapter two? Is Peta a Libra or Pisces? I don't know if they give us his birthday. Oh. But he definitely seems like... Homeboy like, paints. Yeah. Okay. He's so sweet. Like, his talent is camouflage. He can paint. Right in book two, he, he takes a painting. Paint. It's romantic, which is why I was like, Pisces, you Libra. Listen, if I had to choose between Edward, vampire musician, or PETA, bacon artist. (laughs) Who loves Katniss unconditionally. Like, literally keeps trying to die for her. Literally. Yeah. Literally. Like, Edward's just like, no, I can't be around you. I might kill you. Peter's yes. like, no, take my life. Yeah. So I can save yours. Oh, anyway. I love so much. Anyway, yes. That, there's that <laughs> one scene, we're going to see it later, but like where she, like the very, very end where they have their kids and she's like looking at him and the son like jumps in his arms. I could watch that over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. Anyways, chapter three. Those are her, those are her real life uh, nieces. Really? Oh, they're so cute. Yes, chapter three. Must blow my nose. All right. I was going to say, you good sniffles? I know, I freaking hate it. Okay, Candace and Peta, they're taken into custody and taken to rooms to say their goodbyes to loved ones. Prim and her mother come, and Candace tells Prim not to get Tesserae, but to sell, like, goat milk and cheese. And then her mom's been... um, doing her apothecary business again and she had already made a deal with gail that he bring herbs and she gives other instructions and then she like grips her mother and yells at her to not leave again you know like how she did when her dad died for prim's sake and this is when her mother says that like she has medicine for that now to help with the depression Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like it's very important to mention she doesn't want her to mentally go away yes like to shut down and not be there anymore yeah but like in their circumstance like how could you not in the worst like, case literally scenario. her husband blew up and now yeah. her kid's going off to and she doesn't know there is a one in 24 chance that Katniss will live and I, even yeah. if she were the victor she could still die because you know yeah. <laughs> there's there's plenty of reasons that things could go wrong in the game yeah, like her poor mama. Anyway, so after that, um, Peta's dad visits her with cookies, and then Madge visits and gives Katniss the gold pin of the Mockingjay, and then Gale um, is the last to visit, and he gives her like strategy tips for the arena. 
Then Pete and Katniss are driven to the train station where there's swarms of reporters and it looks like Peter was crying. And then this is when they like quickly mention Johanna Mason for the first time and her strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're taken on the high-speed train, which goes 250 miles per hour to the capital. So they get there in less than a day. Um, and the capital is located where the Rockies are. We kind of went over that. District 12 is the Appalachian Mountains. <laughs> My note just says, JD is in District 12, which we know. Katniss <laughs> 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 um, wears the Mockingjay pin, and we get the backstory about how um, they were made. So the capital bred mutations, basically jabber jays that were used to memorize conversations within the districts and then report back to the capital. But the rebels figured it out and then would feed like lies to the birds so they were eventually abandoned but the jabber jays mated with mockingbirds to create mocking jays which can um they basically copy like the Their the sound. songs yeah they can't yeah. talk anymore um, and then katniss has this whole memory of her father singing to them in the forest and the birds singing back and then katniss mm-hmm. and Peter get to eat they like stuff their faces They've never eaten so good before. <laughs> and they rewatch the repeats and joke about Hamish, but then Effie gets mad and explains that Hamish is their advisor and he's responsible to line up sponsors and send them gifts when they're in the games. So it's not a laughing matter. And that's the end of chapter three. And also, Hamish has trauma. Like, he's an alcoholic, but he's an alcoholic because he watched 23 other people die and he had to survive it. Yes. And I does it talk about how Hamish survived his games in this one? Um, I don't think that's till the second book. Yeah. yeah. I know. We'll put a sticky note on that one. Yeah, it's actually really interesting. I feel like all the District 12, if you think about it, they all like did something very um, unusual against the Capitol. Uh-huh. Like, even Lucy. Like, everything they did was, like, very not not with the rules. There's this part too later where she mentions, I forget what chapter, but how she realizes that what she wins, she becomes Hamish and she has to like see a tribute every year go in and probably die. Mm-hmm. And so she realizes oh, like that's probably right. even more why he can't get over it. It's like yeah. every year he has to train two more little kids and then watch them die mm-hmm. over and yep. over again. Because District 12 has a history of not winning. Yes. They're like severely disadvantaged. Okay, so chapter four. Katniss recalls how she first began hunting and gathering after the bread incident with Peta. And then um, also she talks about how she lost her trust for her mother during the months of her depression. Uh, the next morning. This is kind of an interesting take, honestly, as like somebody on the receiving end. Like she isn't even trying to like help her mother she's just so like Mm -hmm. angry at her but she's also the kid yeah I mean she was 11 right when it happened and just to like suddenly become the breadwinner for your family like having to be the parent when you're the child not not a good time for anyone (sighs) anyway so they they have another big breakfast stuffing themselves Drunk Hamish comes in and Peta knocks the alcohol out of his hand. So Hamish mm-hmm. punches him in the face. And then uh, Katniss like drives a knife into the table right between his fingers. The table. And that's yeah. where Effie says that line you said. That is mahogany. Hamish is pleasantly surprised. 
um, he agrees to stay sober enough to help them if they do exactly what he says and they don't interfere with his drinking. Um, and then he tells them they're coming up to the Capitol, so to just let their stylists do whatever they want and not to resist even if they don't like it. Katniss continues to be unsure about PETA. She's like suspicious of his intentions, so she decides not to befriend him. Chapter 5. Katniss is made over by her glam squad, which is Venia, Flavius, and Octavia. Um, they do her nails, face, and skin, but they basically are just like removing all her hair. Um, they leave her right. braid that her mother did. So Cinna shows up. He's her stylist. And she notes that he's the most normal person from the capital that she's <laughs> met. <laughs> like, he doesn't have anything altered like everything everyone else. Katniss recalls that past District 12 tributes were dressed as coal miners or even naked. So she's, like, worried about her costume. Mm-hmm. But Cinna dresses them in a like a black unitard with boots and headpieces and a long cape that looked like fire. And then the capes are lit with synthetic fire. So when they ride in on their chariot um, up to the training center in the city circle, it looks like they're like fire behind them. Then Katniss and Peter are told to hold hands. So they look united like a team. And then she's called the girl who was on fire the whole time. And they outshine everyone else. Any comments about that chapter? I'll be completely honest. I hardcore almost just fell asleep. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed it, but a lot of these parts, like the summary is so short because most of it Uh is just her thoughts or like describing things, right? Yeah, plus this is the whole transition. Um, I will say, other than Phoenix, Cinna's my favorite of the characters in like the whole series. Mm -hmm. Cinna's like such a good mentor. Um, at the training center, they stay on the 12th floor, so each floor is for each district. Effie and Hamish will stay with them until they're transported to the arena. They have dinner with the stylists and Effie and Hamish. Um, Katniss tries, like, the fine red wine for the first time, and she's already tipsy after half the cup. <laughs> and I, my note was like, same, that was me the first time I had champagne. That's still me. <laughs> yeah. Um, Katniss recognizes an Avox. I don't remember this in the movie, honestly. Um, the redheaded That's, Avox. They barely had the Avoxes until Mockingjay with the. Oh, uh, maybe that's the, why. The guy who um, was filming, who shout out to the fact that he is Huggy Nelson from Daredevil. Maybe that's why, but like she's such an important character in this first book, so it's weird that Uh I remember. She wasn't in. She was in. But she recognizes this girl, and the girl freaks out and shakes her head and leaves. So the others have to explain to Katniss that Avoxes are criminals or traitors who have their tongues, and then they're Uh forced to serve, and they're not supposed to be spoken to at all. So Peta saves Katniss and pretends he thinks she looks like someone they know back in District Twelve. So everyone mm-hmm. kind of lets it go. Then they move to the sitting room and watch the replay of the opening ceremonies. And then after Peter and Katniss go up to the roof to talk because they think the wind will like make it hard for anyone to overhear. Um, and she tells them where she saw the Avox before. So in the woods one day when she was hunting with Gail, um, mm-hmm. they see the girl fleeing with a boy through the woods. And a hovercraft like appears in the sky and just... Um, drops a net on the girl and carries her up and then shoots a spear through the boy and it's attached to a cable that pulls him up um and then the hovercraft just like disappears 
Wow. Without them doing anything. Yeah. Was that in the see? I really don't remember any of that in the movie. I really don't think she's in the movie at all. Yeah. I don't okay. think it references any of that. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty traumatic to like see that. Uh huh. And then see the girl oh, again sure. and know that, like, oh, they cut your tongue out. Like, oh my gosh. Gross. Yeah. Because I don't think they had introduced Avoxes yet. Yeah. That makes sense. In the movie. Okay. Well, we found one difference. <laughs> After seven, the next morning, they have a huge-ass breakfast, and Peter and Katniss have matching outfits again. Um, Kamich asks if they want to be coached separately, but they both really want to be coached together, and then they argue. <laughs> both of them are, like, underrating themselves about their skills, so Peta tells Hamish that, aside from the knife they already saw her use the day before. Um, mm-hmm. Katniss is an excellent shot with the bow and arrow, and she always shoots the squirrels and rabbits through the eye that they buy from her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Katniss says that she's seen Peter lift a 100-pound bag of flour before, and he came in second place in wrestling at school. And then he's like, he knows people will like Katniss, but not so much himself. And she thinks he's insulting her, but he's obviously complimenting her. And then Hamish tells them both to display their strengths only during private sessions in front of the game makers. Otherwise, they're supposed to just learn new skills and stay together the whole time during training. So they go to the rooms and she's super upset because she doesn't want to pretend to be his friend. And then they go down with Effie to the training rooms and they're the only two dressed alike still. (laughs) Um, And she notices she's one of the smaller tributes. Then they start going through all the stations. So nut tying, camouflage... Like, learning to do fires, knife throwing, making shelter. They also do, like, edible plants, spear throwing, and climbing. And then during lunch, they sit together and make, like, their friends. And there's a quick scene oh, where yeah. Peta shows Katniss all the types of breads from each district. Um, they just put this in because later, right, she gets, like, that gift of bread. But that's, like, in later. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so they notice that the young 12-year-old girl from District 11, Rue, has been following them around and training. And Katniss is reminded of Prim. And then they have their private sessions with the game makers. Katniss shows off her archery during her session, but she has to it and get used to the bow. Um, so eventually she does like a really good display, but by that time only a few of the game makers notice because most are concentrated on a roast pig. <laughs> so she gets upset and shoots an arrow at them. It skewers the apple in the pig's mouth and pins it to the wall. And then she says, thank you for your consideration, bows and leaves without being dismissed. Um, did you have anything to say about chapter seven? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of fillers like, leading up and explaining dynamics, I feel like. What? Sorry. It's explaining a lot of dynamics, but it's also a lot of filler. Yeah. Is what I had said. Yes. I really do enjoy the series, um, but even more than Twilight, like most of the chapter is just, yeah, <laughs> filler stuff. Filler. Yeah. And I get it. But like, well, there's only two more chapters in this section, so let me do eight. Um, she rushes back to her quarters and cries, and she's uh-huh. worried about what they'll do to her. Um, but at dinner, she finally goes out, and Peta and Katniss both tell the others what happened in their sessions and then Mm -hmm. Tavis is actually cheered up by everyone by what they say Um, and they watch the announcement of the tribute scores the careers range in the 8 to 10s everyone else averages 5 
Brew gets a surprising seven, Peta gets an eight, and then Katniss an 11, which is one away from perfect. Um, the next day is Sunday when she usually goes out all day in the woods with Gail. And she thinks about the first time they ran into each other in the woods and eventually started hunting and gathering together. Then she goes to breakfast and Hamish tells her Peta asked to be coached separately. And that's the end of that chapter. Chapter nine. So they take turns, four hours each with Effie and Hamish. Effie works with Katniss on her presentation. <laughs> uh, so she's basically like wa- walking, sitting, smiling, gesturing, all in a dress and heels. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's like basically self-improvement class. After lunch, Katniss works with Hamish on the content part of her interview. So they role play with different tactics, but nothing works. So he basically says he like gives up. Just don't make it obvious you hate everyone. So she takes dinner in her room and she throws her dishes all over the room. And the redheaded Avox comes in and wipes her up and they clean up the room together. And then the mm-hmm. Avox tucks her into bed. The next day, Cinna and his team work on Katniss well into the afternoon, like making her over. And then he puts her in a heavy jeweled dress that looks like a flame. So it's red, yellow with white and blue accents. And then he gives her the advice to just be herself and answer the questions as if Katniss is addressing Cinna. So the tributes do their televised interviews with the host Caesar Flickerman. Um, She does well. The audience likes her. She's not super memorable but they like her especially when she spins in her dress everyone mm-hmm. likes it um, and then Peta comes up really <clears throat> charming Caesar asks Peta if he's a girlfriend and then Peta admits he likes someone and reveals it's Katniss and that's the end of part one yeah. yay so kind of a lot has happened in just one part even though a lot is filler mm-hmm. so much stuff oh my gosh yeah, definitely a lot of action despite the the content, but it all leads up to something. And everything I feel like that she plans has a purpose. I'm really excited for the next section. Uh, but if you mm-hmm. want to rest, we can record this part later. I'll text you. Okay, have a good nap. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on social media for more content. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Based on a Pod. That's one word, B-A-S-E-D-O-N-A-P-O-D. If you want to reach us to ask a question or suggest our next book to review, email basedonapod at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please rate our show and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Then you'll catch all of our latest episodes. Lastly, please consider supporting our podcast on Patreon. Get bonus episodes, digital downloads, and lots of funny extras. Plus, higher tiers get merch and access to our private Discord. Thanks again for listening. Until next week, read a book and may the odds be ever in your favor. Bye.